Do you want to hear a story that shows I should never have a child or any meaningful responsibility in life? <laughs> I would I would love to. Okay. Uh so in my quest for uh, a minimalist lifestyle, which in case people don't know, that's what upper middle class people do to pretend that they aren't going to die a hoarder. And and I and I'm not I don't mean to say I'm upper middle class. I'm not. The American dream is is unattainable. But I'm getting rid of old stuff, and I have like this clear plastic bin from Target uh, that has a bunch of stuff that I should either put on eBay or recycle or give away, and that's that's where all those um, Echo spots or sorry Echo dots that I traded into Amazon uh, for I don't even know why they probably gave me like eight cents for them, but that's that's where those lived. Um, anyway, so I was selling my old Apple TV, uh, one of the the hockey puck ones, the ones that didn't run TVOS. Aren't those? So remember, I think we talked about this on the show. I had an experience where I sold one of mine and it like ended up selling it for more than I bought it for because... Yeah, you, you told me one of them was like easily jail, jailbreakable or yeah, something. Yeah, right. So no, so mine is mine is the one before the future of TV was apps, and but, but maybe not old enough to be useful for piracy. <laughs> so it was worth like $18 on eBay? Wow. <laughs> is that right? $21. <laughs> nice uh well yeah, like, 18 18 after ebay's fees well yeah and in our hyperinflation right because we need a one percent uh rate cut hmm. and more qe um so yeah so i got a whopping 21 dollars for it and so here's here, i guess this is where the the frustrating part begins so i, I sent you a thing on slack uh, which included the f word and, and and a lot of extra letters in the middle um so i was pretty sure i had erased it like two years ago when it went into that bin of of e-waste uh, but, but, but or i don't i don't know what to call it because i'm trying i'm trying to be green i'm trying not to just be i'm trying to compost my technology but before shipping it off i i wanted to plug it in to make sure i had actually erased it um but so i plugged it in and it looked mostly erased like i didn't know i didn't remember what the old um uh it wasn't called, was it called TVOS? Maybe it was, but what the old interface really looked like. So I wasn't sure if it was just that it's just really sparse or I had actually already erased it. Uh, but then I got the remote out of it and it wasn't res- like the device wasn't responding. So I'm like, oh shit, it's, it, it, the battery's dead. So I go grab uh, one of those uh, CR whatever, whatever watch batteries. Cause I do have a spare one of those because I'm, I'm not, a, I'm, I, I guess I am a hoarder. Uh, so it starts responding. I'm like, okay, cool. And it's erased. So I, I go, I'm just like, let me, let me hard reset it again, just to be safe. So I go through the menus and I choose general reset, erase all stuff. And, uh, it takes a few minutes and it boots back up. Well, Ashley, let me ask, do you think you know where this is going? No, I, I really don't. Okay. So it takes it like it boots back up and I'm like, and it looks different when I, when it, when it powers on again. And I'm like, oh, did it do wow, some kind did, of software update or something? Ex- exactly. I'm like, shit. Like, cause, but, but here's the thing. It wasn't connected to a network. So I'm like, maybe, wow, it is really good that I erased this because I remembered my Wi-Fi network. Um, so no, um, the fucking remote started controlling my Apple TV 4K and HDMI on my TV switched it to the Apple TV I use now. And I erased my real Apple TV. <laughs> Oh, that's, I'm so that, that's actually not angry. where I thought that was going. Okay. So, yeah, because you know how on the LG TV, whenever, like, it sometimes, I can't even tell, like, the logic behind it, but sometimes when it starts receiving HDMI input, it's like, okay, cool, you want to do something with this. No, I have that t- 
turned off. You know what? That doesn't help me now. So right, good for you. Um, I have a lot of questions about this. So I and I don't. I guess the the first question it may come across as sounding dismissive, and I I, I don't mean to belittle your uh, frustration here, but is wiping an Apple TV really that big of a deal? Well, if it was still logged into my Apple ID. Well, but I mean, can you just not log log back in? Hmm. I mean, wait. Are, are you talking about what? What is the harm in not erasing the old one, or what is the annoyance of having erased the one I actually use? No. What's the annoyance of erasing the one you actually use? That I have to log back into literally every app and re-download all the apps. Oh, but but Carlos, they they just rolled out this feature where you just sign in once and it it signs you in everywhere. I don't live in Hawaii or the one <laughs> provider where that fucking works. What is that? E- what's that feature even called? Doesn't it have a name? It, it was called. It's just like I mean, SSO is a st- is, or like single sign on is a industry wide term, but I think they just called it like TV provider single sign on. <laughs> and I, I I do not have. I think it wor- it works with like Hawaii cable and like one weird over the top service. So no, I still have to log into literally everything. Oh, and then I wish I had a picture of it, but. The minute I logged back into um, Netflix, it gave me the message saying, oh, yeah, Netflix is jacking up the prices and you can't watch anything. Like, in order to like can, to bill you at that rate, you have to press OK. So I guess that was the my my time to uh, have to give consent to that. <laughs> um, so not only had, and like I, I did this right before work, mind you. So therefore, I like I, I missed getting coffee and I was just having a really shitty day and all for $21, which means means this whole endeavor probably had a negative return because I wasted so much time having to set up my Apple TV again. And this is really frustrating because um, like the Apple TV 4K is responding to uh, infrared because that's how the Harmony Hub or Harmony Elite or whatever it's called that you convinced me to get is that's why it's responding oh, so, to that. So somehow this is, this my is your fault. fault. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I still had my 11-year-old Harmony One or whatever, this would not be happening because I'd be using that shitty Siri remote <laughs> that I had to put grip tape on the back so I knew which way was up. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm still mad. Can you... I really need you to start a blog where... No. Do people still dead. do those? No, they um, don't. Where you list and take pictures of all the different like little uh, hacks you do. Like you've got the grip tape on the Apple remote... You've got the little bumper things on your vacuum robot. Don't 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 hate on me just because I'm thoughtful. Oh no, I'm I'm not I'm not hating. I'm on very you. I'm deliberate. Giving you, I'm giving you a, a million dollar idea here. No, this is this is one of those backhanded Kentucky compliments. A, a Kentucky compliment? Is that like a Mitch McConnell joke? No, never mind. You've heard of backhanded compliments before. I've heard of backhanded ones, but not Kentucky ones. Uh, this might have been a Merlin thing. Anyway. Hmm. Um, oh, is, is are we doing the thing where we you like make a podcast reference, but then the person you're talking to has never heard of that podcast, so then they just think you're weird? Hmm? We've talked about this on the show, how like you and I have to be careful sometimes of all like the inside jokes we hear on the podcasts we listen to, and then making that same kind of joke like out in the real world in a real conversation, and then being like, oh shit, this person's not really going to get it. Oh yeah, maybe. But everybody should listen to all the podcasts uh, that, that, that 
we listen to. And you still refuse. You're very obstinate that you will not listen to Reconcilable Differences, even though it's great. And also, you've you've come around on ATP, so you need, you need to trust in, in these recommendations. Well, so, so real-time follow-up. So yeah, I have started listening to ATP a bit, and literally the most recent episode starts with them talking about how good the most recent episode of, well, they call it Rectif, uh-huh. which... Well, because reconcilable differences is is a mouthful. Yeah, but rec diff. What? It, 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 moving on. I mean, it's we, fine. They, they should just call it a pod. I have something. <laughs> just so I'll say that for tomorrow because there was a thing at Trader Joe's. Are we do? Week, are we doing but... another show? We're doing another show tomorrow? No, I, I'll post it somewhere on the internet, and then eventually it'll it'll loop back here. The internet folds into itself. Oh, I thought we were doing like a back to back or something. Uh, emergency pod. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, pod. Okay, so what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, so Reconcil- Reconcilable Differences. So it's a great show, but also last right, week I think, I think you're thinking was... Erective. So last week was uh, John Got a New Fridge, and it was very good. And this is why I love that podcasting is a thing, because if you had ever tried to pitch Luminary or some big media company that, hey, do you want to listen to a um, very particular uh, 40-year-old dude from New England talk about a fridge for an hour and 45 minutes... They probably wouldn't make that show, but this was really good and in, is super interesting because uh, John, like me, is a very, very particular person. If the, if this is too much of a spoiler for a story, you don't have to answer it. But he did he get one of those fridges with the um like the big screen in them? Uh, it would be a spoiler for you. So do you want me to answer that? Uh, if you think it's going to spoil the episode, then don't answer it because I'll I'll probably listen to it. He didn't. Okay. No, because he, he, he talked about the dumb IoT fridges and stuff like that. But his his uh, whole predicament was it's it's very shaped around his weird New England home. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I might check that out. I might. What, what do you, uh, just skip your video game podcasts. Video game's dead. Um, and yeah, listen to this. I, I think um, I've told you. I've been trying to get better at listening to podcasts while also doing like other stuff. Hmm. Wait, why? Why is that a benefit? Well, because then I can listen to more podcasts. Uh, just listen to a better podcast. Well, it, it's... or we just be more like. So, what what were you doing before? Well, I like I would only really listen to podcasts like when commuting or running or, which is still weird. Yeah, I know. Marco said the same thing recently. How on I, earth I... do people listen? Like, how does your brain work? I ran a marathon listening to podcasts i don't know i i just i don't know i like podcasts how but there's no beat to podcasting but do you you run to the beat yes isn't that half of why you people listen to music while running is that like you listen to what do you think like energetic music nike commercial or something what do you mean you're running to the beat are are you gaslighting me right now? Like, is this a? <laughs> I, I know. I just I, did, I didn't really know that. Like, like well, like, but you don't listen to music and like in, like the, I people write in like I don't get how is it that's most of the point of music is to run to the beat. Uh, like, uh, people aren't listening to like Fiona Apple or uh, who's who else is sad um, or like Bjork while they're running. Like, I mean, it's 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 generally upbeat music because that is conducive to like cardio and high energy this is this so do you run at like different rates depending on which song is on so if a song comes on that's a little slower do you slow down no wait uh, Hmm. i'm so confused by the question 
Well, I mean, I, I listen to podcasts. I'm not, I'm not run, saying so you, really, you. Yeah, I'm not saying like it. you adjust like how like your your pace or your like your stride to match. Like I don't mean that way. I. So you're saying if I if I want to run faster, should I put my podcasts on uh, smart speed or whatever? I think you should in... stop listening to podcasts while you run because that's <laughs> that's that's some some bad stuff. Poor uh, poor Marco. Did you listen to ATP? I think this was like two episodes ago. He put all this time into making better uh, Apple Watch support when Apple added uh, the enhanced audio functionality as part of the most recent uh, watchOS update last fall. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> it's 0.25% of his install base that uses the um, offline Apple Watch listening function. He, has, well, yeah. he, he he built something into the app that sends a little silent ping back to him every time someone uses that feature, um, just just because he's you know, he's been curious about how much it was going to be used. And yeah, point point two five percent. He also he gave the stat that like only I think it was like only thirty percent of Overcast users have an Apple Watch paired to their uh, iPhone. Which I, that seemed that seemed low to me for that seems high, but for an overcast audience, uh, I, I think you, I think you overestimate how much, um, like just because overcast has like one hundred percent or like eighty percent use rate among like T word people, I think it's still popular with regular people too. Hmm. Okay. Like, I mean, if you look at the number of ratings and stuff it has in the iTunes store, like it seems fairly popular. Uh, so what else we got? Okay, so yeah, so I, I'm an idiot and I should not have children because um, I would hard re- I would hard reset the wrong one. Because <laughs> um, that's what you do with kids, right? Um, you said before you sent them to preschool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we now have uh, Alessia. <laughs> let's 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 do still or sparkling real quick. Uh, also, a real time update: our uh, our company Slack now has a spin drift emoji. That very so- important. Can I ask you? Then this is a like an old person question. Can you? Sure. You can make your own emoji in Slack. No. Well, yes, you don't make the emoji in Slack. Like I make it in Photoshop, but like any 128, or I mean, you can make it whatever 128 by 128 uh, PNG files work best. But um, Slack has the ability to use those PNG files as custom uh, Slack emoji, but you make them yourself. Like Slack doesn't have a, a way to do it. Got it. Yeah, because I mean, we've had the the Munster one, so I figured that was made somehow, but I never never got around to asking you. And it, it's specific to our workspace. Correct. Got it. Unless you can lobby your company, but I don't think they would understand why Gene Munster is important to integrated testing my, environments. My company Slack has a lot of custom uh, emoji and stuff. Any fun ones? Uh, not that I that can are think. that are not proprietary. Not that I can immediately think of off the top of my head. I mean, we like we have our so, company. So, 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 we have our company logo and stuff. Which... Yeah, I think we. I think we also have that. Yeah, yeah. And then I have the corgi with the head tilt. All right. Uh, so yeah, spin drift. You something something. Uh, you tried it yet another flavor, I believe. So the yeah, the lady friend and I um, made our kind of. I guess it's kind of like every other weekend sort of trip to Target, and right in the very front of the store. Ooh. They they had a, I guess, kind of like a summer section. They must have been <laughs> listening to the show, Carlos, because 
I'm sure they do. There We're was, big in Minnesota. <laughs> there was sunscreen. There were like inflatable pool toys. And then there was Spindrift. And I got very excited because I was already planning on walking all the way to the back and uh, checking out what the Spindrift selection was like that day. But I didn't even have to go all the <laughs> way back there because it, they, had, they had all the flavors in the front. Mm-hmm. And like mango on the back. <laughs> nice. Um, and they mostly just had flavors that I've had before, but they had one new one and that I actually have a can of it right now. I wanted to have a, a fresh impression of it for the show. That's what I do for our listeners here. It's mm-hmm. strawberry. Have you had this flavor? I have not. Most strawberry things don't taste good. So I, this one is, it's pretty good actually. Although my biggest criticism of it is it almost tastes a little artificial, which is, which is strange for Spindrift. And actually, like when I first started uh, trying Spindrift, it, it, coming from like LaCroix and stuff, the auth- authenticity of it, I guess, <laughs> as, as you would say. The realness. Yeah, actually comes across as being something like not bad, but just very different. Whereas the strawberry one, like I know it's real strawberry, but it, it does sort of just have a little bit more of an artificial taste, which I guess you can attribute to the fact that I, I actually looked at the ingredients list when I tried it to see if this was the case. And it's made with strawberry puree. So I, I think that that must be why it, it doesn't taste like the same way that like the lemon one does. Where it like just literally tastes like real lemon juice. Can I can I pause it? Why? Sure. You can't juice a strawberry. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's probably fair, huh? Yeah, it's the same way where um, I know you have not tried the raspberry lime one. No, uh, I, I have. That's in the the Costco variety pack. That's the same one. That it's a raspberry puree. Where I maybe that's the texture or that's the kind you don't like versus actual juice. So I think the difference between the raspberry lime and the strawberry, though, is the flavor on the raspberry lime flavor is, and I don't I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's a, it's it's somewhat more faint, kind of like how the lemon one is, where you know you you definitely taste the lemon, but it's not you wouldn't describe it as being overpowering or anything. Mm-hmm. Same with the the raspberry lime. The strawberry one, it it kind of it hits you in the mouth with flavor. Let's put it that way. Where else would it? Well, I mean, it, it should hit, <laughs> should should hit you in the mouth if you're drinking it correctly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm being hard on you today. No, no, it's it's fine. I mean, it's just like every other week. It's, it's no it's no problem. <laughs> That's another reason why people should listen to Re- reconcilable differences because um, uh, it's uh, rectif. <laughs> Uh, Merlin feels that they alternate weeks on being bad cop and that he feels like John's always mean to him. <laughs> well, he's probably not wrong. He's not wrong, but it, that's, that's why it's very good. But it did. So I, I do have to give John credit though. I, I always forget on this show is being referred to just by your first name. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing, right? It's, it's good. If you're a bad person, you're like Elon Musk Mr. or somebody, Mr. You, Mr. Musk. You, you don't get first name treatment. But if you're a friend of the show, like Mikey B or something, well, I'll keep, but again, he has a different name, but you know what I mean. Got it. Okay. So, uh, so John, um, he, he gets credit for me getting back into ATP because it was him being on Upgrade a couple of weeks ago that inspired me to listen to ATP because 
I was reminded of just how wonderfully unique and entertaining John Syracuse is. He's just, Mm -hmm. he's the best. And I, you know, the thing that I really like on ATP too is they really let him just go. Like he'll, he'll talk for five to seven straight minutes. Well, yeah, because he's right. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, on that show, they have it worked out pretty well. Casey's pretty good at, like, teeing up subjects and being the, the chief summarizer-in-chief. Um, and then depending on the topic, yeah, either either Marco or um, or John will just go off for a bit. It's pretty when good. I, and I think you and I were talking about this offline. I, I, I think what I'm finding appealing about ATP is they are refreshingly critical of Apple in a way that I think most of the other people we listen to aren't, but they're coming from it. I like to think anyway, from sort of the same angle that we are, which is well, it's a place like, of love. Like it's a company yeah, like, you hey, like, like, and like, you want to succeed. And, <laughs> right. and when you're messing up, you, you you get bummed out and you get disappointed. No, it's not like hatred. It's disappointment. Yes. Yeah. They're not, they're not angry. They're just disappointed. Um, some of the recent episodes of the talk show have actually been that way. It feels like, uh, uh, John Gruber. Wait, sorry, no, that makes it sound bad. John G. Because uh, if I say his full name, it makes it sound like he's an enemy of the show. Um, he's becoming slightly more critical too. I mean, there were a couple of, and we'll get to the overclass, overclassed, overcast uh, clip sharing feature soon. But uh, Twitter has been all all um, chock full of these uh, clips of of shows because people are testing out that feature. And yeah, there was a good thing of. Um, mg siegler and uh gruber on the talk show this week talking about kind of where maybe a a bunch of the problems that they're having right now is that apple just isn't really good at reading the room anymore and isn't really thinking like two steps ahead of any decision they make which is why they're in kind of the situations that they are now yeah gruber's been he's been really hard on them with this whole keyboard thing Mm -hmm. and then he's also been really hard on them with the with the services event well, because was, it wasn't his thing. I, I I think I heard this relayed from you, but he said, like, uh, a credit card seems like the thing you do when you've run out of ideas or something. Exactly, yeah. He had a post where he talked about that a bit. And then, yeah, speaking of good episodes of the talk show recently, he had Peter Kafka on for the first time mm-hmm. to talk about the, the uh, services event. And John was he was he was really critical across the board, particularly with Apple TV+. Plus. He He was just like, basically like what the fuck is this like why why is apple doing this yeah um so yeah no i, I anyway I, I think uh atp is a um it's a it's a fresh perspective because i i think i think you, you and i you know we sometimes are i think a bit fatigued sometimes about hearing about the same apple story from the same angle like two or three times across the different podcasts we listen to and ATP um, does things a little bit differently, which is nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me blow through a couple of items that I don't believe under, are on your agenda, but tangentially relate to follow-up. Uh, real quick, uh, electric car vanity plates is a thing we've been covering and blowing the lid off of, or, or you know, we've been getting down to the trenches with. Uh, last night, I came across one that I'm actually very pleased with and I thought was cool. Uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't a Tesla, thankfully. It was, it was a Chevy Bolt. And it had the license plate, uh, the California plate. Uh, EV does it. I thought that was pretty cool. Nope. Nope. That's great because all, all the Tesla ones are either, because I sent you a different one where um, this was at the uh, supercharger station. 
uh, in my town uh, where somebody had one that said uh, it was like too fast for you. But if you read it wrong, it could, it looks like it says like too fisty or something. Like it's, it's something really, it looks really dumb. Um, but no, like EV does it. That's great. Like, cause so, so many dumb Tesla ones, like it's like, uh, no more, like no OPEC or infinity MPG. Like it's a bunch of dumb shit. <laughs> I hate all of them, but EV does it like, that's great. Thumbs up to that dude. I, I consider us to be good friends and we <laughs> where is this going? we we agree we agree on a lot of things and we we playfully disagree on some other things okay but the, but the, the vanity plate thing i just i can't support you here Wait, and I, I know any hold on stop any vanity plates or the electric car vanity plate no any any vanity plate i'm just not a fan and i i know you've had one so i don't you know again i i've gotten rid of it I, you have that's true I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I mean, you were being hard on me early in the show. I don't want to, you know, take it and turn it, but, um, yeah, vanity plates just aren't my thing. Right. Evie does it. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's, it's creative. It's, it's the, it's one of the least bad. It's the one of the least dumb ones. Yeah. And again, and we've covered it and, and again, friend of the show, but also, Hey, uh, who knows? Like he, who glommed onto it at the exact same time. Uh, Mike Isaac has been, um, uh, checking out uh, all the dumb Tesla vanity plates across the um, across the Bay Area, so that's been pretty good too. It, it's probably the number one reason why you are destined to get an EV as your next car is so you can get a dumb vanity plate no. to piss me off. It's it's not like again the the again for for privacy reasons I'm not going to disclose what the old one was, but it was I, whatever. I was like 21. I thought it was an amusing computer joke, and nobody knew what it meant. And I would never do it again. And I, now I just have my dumb environmentalist uh, Yosemite plate. But it's but it's a randomized one. Anyway, okay. Some I've got some sports stuff before we get to the really important thing. Um, LA, the LA Clippers are no longer in the playoffs, correct? Correct. But you do you know the whole NBA uh, jersey sponsor thing, where the Warriors are sponsored by Rakuten? And yes. Yeah, the, I, I like. Ooh, I like how you said that. I, I'm trying to pronounce it in the Rakuten, the the fakest but most authentic way possible. Um, have you ever shopped there? It used to be buy dot com, but now it's like I, like apparently Rakuten. I'm now I'm going to pronounce it intentionally wrong. Is like the Japanese Amazon, maybe I don't know, but I've never who who shops there. It took me like half of the first season where the Lakers were sponsored by Wish for me to realize that Wish was like a store. Yeah, what the fuck is Wish? Isn't that an app? Uh, I, is it, can you not go to like wish.com? You can, but I don't know what it is. Join over 500 million others that have made their shopping more smart, fun, and rewarding. That still doesn't tell me what you do. Uh, similar to eBay, small businesses and manufacturers on Wish sell goods. So it's American Alibaba. Okay, whatever. Um, okay, so but the whole point of this is uh, the LA Clippers, are their jersey sponsor is Bumble, the dating app. Which triple thumbs down to that. Just I I I don't care that for that at all. And then they spent twenty million dollars on on the partnership, and I think that's lame. What is what's uh what's like Bumble's thing? Like what's the what's the um <laughs> so, the hook so I'm not, on that? Yeah, so I unfortunately know all the differences in these apps. So Bumble, their thing was because you know how Tinder's a garbage cesspool um of like unsolicited pictures of other people like anyway but bumble's whole thing when they were new was that uh women act first or that like you have to one you have to match 
uh, like both people you can't just send a message to somebody you both have to match and then once a match occurs uh only uh the female uh party can initiate a conversation so dudes can't try to slide into dms i think that's <laughs> what young people say <laughs> yeah you, boy you, you sounded like a, a young person when you said it too i i again i am getting well versed in what the the young people are doing mm, okay interesting I, I correct anyway i have some offline stuff that i'll actually share about that but um but that, that stays <laughs> offline and offline means slack got it off offline online yeah there's been a weird uh very very hard anti-slack um uh think piece week i don't know if i put it in the show notes maybe we'll talk about it next week but everybody keeps complaining that slack is actually an anti-productivity tool uh, I, I, I i could get behind that uh, but so was email. So was everything. It basically, it's, it, people are an anti-productivity tool. It doesn't matter what medium you give them. Is that a is that a hot take? Wait, what did I say? People aren't in. Okay, let's keep that for a show title. <laughs> um. Okay. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so that that was the Clippers. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I like I just, I just felt like Bumble is way too. It's not niche, but it, that's that's weird to have on an NBA jersey. Yeah, when you because when I saw that on their jersey i didn't really think anything of it i didn't really know what it was and then when you told me what it was yeah i agree it's it that seems like a bit of an odd fit but it is a, it is la so i mean you know i don't know, maybe it maybe it is a good fit yeah also there's this old tweet that i have uh, that i retweeted on twitter and it's easy to find because i don't use twitter anymore um and i'll put it in the thing to you i thought it was really amusing uh it's a picture of a bumble uh like it's a it's a branded one of those claw machines and the the uh, title is the bumble claw crane with no prizes is a chilling metaphor <laughs> and it's, it's it's insanely accurate uh well, that's pretty good it's 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 everything's horrible all the time apps don't make anything better all right so two two questions about uh sports that should be pretty quick um uh, that are just that have nothing to do with nothing okay uh the sharks it's the series is one uh, is one to one right Series, or, or two it, to one? It's now two to one, yes. But the game that you went to, they lost, unfortunately. Correct. Okay. D uh, do the Sharks have a Roz Gold or an Amy G? Do you know what I mean by that? No. Do you, like, you've watched a Giants game or a Warriors game, right? Like yes. on TV? Yes. Like, you know you know who Amy G is, right? Like, they just have, like, those people who, oh, like, like it's, it's a local reporter. No, like they're they're like courtside reporters. Like it's the local, um, like the local regional sports network person who just like interviews the team and just kind of does stuff. Oh yeah. Do the do the sharks have uh, one of those? They have a few, yeah. But no, no, not an announcer, but somebody who just like interviews the players, but is not the announcer or like interviews people in the crowd. So they so the sharks have up to. So Randy Hahn is their main play-by-play -play announcer, and then there will be either one or two other people who you know are the the color commentators, as they say in the industry. So are you saying I I can't say one of them? No. So I'm looking at her Wikipedia page. So Amy Amy G is a sideline reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area. So do does hockey have a sideline reporter? So they do, but it, but it's so uh, Jamie Baker, who is one of the the guys who will be on the broadcast with Randy Hahn. He is also the one who will do like in game or kind of in between period interviews. 
Um, however, there is also Brody Brazil who does mm, the that's made up. <laughs> who does the like pre and post game stuff. And he'll do, you know, he'll do player interviews and stuff as well. And he is not on the broadcast in any way. Hmm. And then I also follow Kevin Kurtz, who writes for The Athletic. And he, do you subscribe to that? I, I do, actually. Is it I, worth just, it? Just recently. Well, so it is for me because I was finding it difficult to find, like, good uh, Sharks coverage. Like, everything I found, like, on NBC Sports and whatever was just a little too generic and just not, like, to the level of detail that I would want. Like, hockey stuff's a little bit harder to find than, like, NBA coverage. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I think he actually used to work for NBC, but then he went to The Athletic. And I started following him on Twitter, and he's really good there. And he would, you know, frequently post links to his articles. And I was like, I, I, sh- I should support this. So I... I signed up for it. And yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's not, you know, it's not the uh it's not like the here's the game recap type coverage. It's a little bit more uh like magaziney in a way where it's doing like behind the scenes stuff and and things like that. So yeah, for my particular purpose I like it. How much is it after the introductory period? Or like what's the actual cost cuz I know what they always do the whole the whole like get 3 months for a dollar or whatever to hook you in. I mean, I signed up for, I think it was like $35 for a year. And Ooh, I don't, that's good. And I don't know what it becomes after that. I, I mean, I, I just signed, like, signed up like three or four weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. got it. Um, and then the big sports news. And had I not accidentally erased the wrong Apple TV, this is what we would have led with. Um, so at 1 30 at night, because I don't sleep anymore, uh, I was on, uh, up uh, the website for minor league baseball and uh the what team is this hold on where's the thing uh scroll 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 fill for time um so the colorado springs team which used to be named the sky Sox, have uh last november they changed their name to be the rocky mountain vibes which Already, this is an amazing story. But they have a new uh, a new mascot, and his name's Toasty. <laughs> and so m- multiple things here. So I'm, I'm going to keep stopping the story because I think there's just so much to unpack. So first, Rocky Mountain makes sense. Vibes? Hmm. Big question mark. I, I don't know. But what does Toasty have to do with uh, Vibes? Either either vibes in the like vibration sense or in the like Woodstock sense, so that's confusing. Uh, Toasty is a um, I don't even know how to describe it. Is he's uh, like he looks like a three D printed Guy Fieri <laughs> with a with a marshmallow that's on fire for a head, um, two graham cracker. <laughs> um, you know the things that like it looks like uh like when uh any big sports thing happens and they bring out the riot police it looks like he has like graham cracker riot <laughs> shields for ar- for arms yep and um wearing sunglasses so it's not quite guy fieri because the sunglasses aren't uh on the back of his head 
Well, I mean, because they'd, they'd be on fire because his, his head is Well, no, but, but the whole thing with Guy Fieri is that he will wear the sunglasses like he literally has eyes in the back of his head. <laughs> That's his thing. But, I mean, Toasty, as I'm saying, Toasty can't do that, though. No, but but you, I don't I don't think the back like the back of his head like the top of his head is on fire, but I think the back of his head is fine. Well, how, do, I mean, um, how do you know that this picture is only at the front? Uh, no, there's an embedded Twitter video where he is moving around. Okay. Um, and also uh, on Instagram at Vibes Baseball, um, I will post a link to the thing. Um, oh shit, that's not what I wanted. Uh, how do I click the thing where it gives me the thing? Um, here we go. He is a very skilled photographer. Um, got him while he was jumping out of the locker room or, or dressing room, as hockey people would call it, um, onto what looks like football astroturf, which also doesn't make sense. Um, he's jumping out of the of the locker room, um, and he looks very, very happy. So, okay, so I, I have a lot of questions here too. Maybe some of which you can answer. Mm-hmm. So, in the main photo of the article that you that you put in the thing mm-hmm. there so he, he this well, is like a chipmunk a, in the back yeah so there's a group photo and is that a chipmunk or I, I thought it was like a fox i don't know but also i just saw the guy in the back wearing a t-shirt that says get toasty <laughs> uh, uh, put put that on a vanity plate um <laughs> whenever teslas start catching fire i'll buy this <laughs> gift for you wait they have oh I remember, uh, elon got sorry elon musk got really mad about that because people were reporting on his cars catching on fire mr musk so what what is this what is this second mascot doing like is he the mascot that toasty is replacing uh i think so because the previous the uh well maybe because they used to be called the colorado springs sky socks so maybe their mascot was a sky fox and not the channel 11 los angeles fox affiliate helicopter and why are so in this photo? Why is everybody holding up the peace sign? Is that is that something that Toasty does? I mean, because people might otherwise be afraid of an on fire marshmallow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's to indicate that he that he's friendly. Yeah. So, um, so the problem with this, uh, uh, shit, where was it? There was another thing here, and I don't know if I um, maybe I put this in my uh, private notes thing. Oh, yes, I did. So if you go to uh, on Twitter uh, at Vibes Baseball, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff. But the most ridiculous thing is um, they have a good vibe of the day. So one, there's a very, I don't know, maybe maybe this is a shot on iPhone type situation, but there's just like a weird picture of like the Rocky Mountains behind him. And there's an illustrated like in Corel Draw from 1995 version of Toasty. And it says, Toasty says... Ask how you can help around the house today. Hashtag my RM vibes. Um, yeah, I. We need we need to get you like some Ambien or something. If you want to uh, uh, email one medical on my behalf, feel free. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I do wish I could go to sleep. I can't. But on the plus side, we wouldn't know about this if I went to sleep at a normal time. That's a, that's a fair point. I was like, there's gonna be with yeah, so I have to suffer because I, because it it yields positive results. The the things we do for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? But the here's the part I don't like about this, which is all of it. Like I think in this post gritty economy, um, like I think th- this is a PR stunt. 
which I know is that, of course, that's what it is. But like, I think gritty kind of like Donald Trump ruined everything. And this is just what life is now. Because up until Gritty, there weren't any like intentionally stupid mascots, right? Not not quite in the way that Gritty is. That the the Condor one for the Clippers, the Clippers was was. But I think bad. people thought that was good. Like I I think in idea meetings, like maybe it wasn't well received, but I don't think they designed it to be bad. Okay, yeah, I I, I see where I see where, where, where I think that. Gritty was like nobody. <laughs> this wasn't there wasn't some like uh, idea meeting. Where everybody's like, "Yep, there's literally nothing wrong with this." They they leaned into it and they're like, "Okay, this is this is weird. This is like beyond Philly fanatic territory." But you know, I think people are going to be into this. And like, I I, I like Gritty, um, like because it, he fits with hockey. Gritty is hockey. <laughs> Gritty is the is the mascot hockey deserves. Um, so yeah, so that's that's um, what's his name? Oh, Toasty. Yeah, that's, that's Toasty. Get, yeah, get Toasty. If one if one of those t-shirts shows up at your front door, you can know who it's from. Uh yeah, I I'm a kid's extra small. Or <laughs> um <laughs> it'll make sure I don't hard reset the wrong one. Um so what else? Let me get this yeah. uh, if I was working on an iPad, I wouldn't have too many screens open, so Well so okay, can I ask you a question? Sure. What is it related to? So it's it's related to you. I want to hear no hear no no pun intended. I want to hear about your new audio setup, which you sent me some photos of before we started recording. Oh yeah, you put this in the thing. Um, so don't uh, those photos are I, I I didn't verify my desk was clean. So uh, those those are not public consumption photos. No. Um, but yeah, they uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I got I got Marcoed. Um, because I don't know, I like I know I was listening to the show and I was like, yeah. The, the, the audio quality could be a little bit better. Um, so then I started researching like what I could do to upgrade the sound quality or tidy things up a little bit. Cause I had been it, like, it'd been a long time with the road podcaster. Um, and so yeah, I went to Marco has a, and you can put it in the show notes. He has like a mega review of many, many um, microphones that you could use for podcasting. Um, and the one I ended up going with based off of like the audio samples that he presented was his, um, number his number six pick which like i know you wouldn't think that's the best one but i actually think that had the the nicest sound overall for what i was looking for it didn't sound too like nasally or hollow um price was decent and i think it was a good choice so it's the electro voice re 320 so wait so sorry how did you how did you pick this one so if you go to let me send you a link if you're not already on the page um, I'm, I'm on the page so every single uh so he has like 22 different picks um and unfortunately he puts the road podcaster at number 20 um so he's very down uh down in not not in the young people sense he's down in the other sense um on that mic for some reason but yeah it definitely served its purpose and it, it was it's dead simple with usb to set up um, so on every single one, he has uh, both him and his wife, Tiff, so you can get uh, a test of both male and female voices on it. Um, he just reads kind of the same couple of sentences on it, so you can see how each one sounds. Got it. Okay. But I mean, everybody's voice sounds different on each microphone, so it's kind of hard. Isn't it hard to make a decision based on audio samples from him? Or do you feel like actually it... 
Well, but you you can hear how um, like pop suppression is, background noise, like nasaliness and hollowness. Because again, it's this you you know the voice of the person giving the review. You can kind of hear the audio characteristics and see if that's whatever you'd want. Huh, okay. So overall, pretty solid. Like, I mean, the step up pick from Electra Voice was just not worth the extra money. But the thing with this, and I think, uh, did I also send you a picture of the uh, USB XLR interface? I think I did. Yeah, so on picture two. Uh, so it needs a separate audio interface because it has one of those, like it just has like the old stereo, like 1980s, like XLR, like band mic plugs. Uh, so you need, so there's, I have the Tascam uh, US 2x2, uh, which converts that into digital audio. Um, and it becomes kind of like an external sound card for your Mac. And uh, luckily, again, also as part of my hoarding uh, tendencies, I, it did not come with the adapter that changes um, a headphone jack from that super old style uh, quarter inch plug to like the 3.5 jack. But luckily, I had one of those from God knows when in my in my cable uh, bin. So, are you then doing like real time monitoring using this interface? Like, are you adjusting your level, or I guess it actually doesn't have any sort of like feedback interface on it, does it? So it does on the Mac. So I like I can still see the levels in Call Recorder, and you can see it inside like Adobe Audition or like the MIDI controller thingy. Um, but generally it's kind of like an office chair where it's like a set it once and forget it. Got it. Yeah. I, I initially thought it was broken because apparently like on the task cam, if, unless it's like cranked up to like 70% of the way, like the microphone is like entirely inaudible. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a little, a little weird, but overall, I mean, it's, it was a fun experiment and I, th- I've compared the audio quality and I, I think it's, uh, reasonably better, uh, where overall it was all worth it. I, I agree. You sound fuller. In in a in a good way, <laughs> yeah. That's that's how people say you're you're more full of it, right? Uh, so so I have I have some questions. Yes. Uh, well, actually, the first I think is just sort of like a statement, which I guess is I've always been intrigued at getting a new microphone that was XLR, just because then I could get one of these XLR USB interfaces, not for any particular reason, but just because it seems kind of cool and makes it seem like you're a lot more professional than you actually are. Thanks. Um, I did that. That's a general you, not not you specifically. <laughs> sure, they're they, they're very fancy. Um, but no. My, my question is the the mount that you have it on. So is that is that clipped to your desk or how how does that work? So this is a combo. So I got this. The reason I got this because like B and H one. And I got to stop saying this on the record, but they, you know, there was the whole um, California tax deadline thing. Right. Um, which apparently is still not into effect because I bought some, uh, some photo paper and that was still on uh, currently the, the zero California tax collected. But again, I don't live in California. I live in, I live in one of the seven Californias. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of what uh, pushed this forward or, or made this something I wanted to explore. Um, so they had a bundle kit where you got, um, the shock mount thingy, the the boom arm that had an integrated XLR cable, um, so that ended up being like three thirty ish, which wasn't bad. And then the USB uh, audio interface, it was it was appropriately priced. Um, so I, I reused the old desk mount from the Rode Podcaster just because with the new desk I got, um, 
last fall, that clips on the right side of it fairly well. And the new um, boom arm that had that integrated XLR cable, so it's out of the way, uh, fit right into it. So it's a, it's, a, it's a mix of both pieces. So w- which uh, boom arm did you get? Whatever was in the kit. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. So yeah, it, so it they, wasn't one they, of bu- they bundled the microphone with, uh, with an uh, appropriate shock mount and um, the boom arm for like, it ended up being like an extra $30 instead of an extra 130 which it normally is. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall, it's, it's, it's working pretty well. Again, the, the sound quality seems uh, worth it. Um, and it's black. <laughs> it, does, it, it does. It looks very nice. And if I ever get an iMac Pro, it, which I never will because it's a bad value, um, it, it might blend in well. Because right now, the um, if you look at the overview desk shot, uh, the iMac is the only thing that uh, looks too light. Yeah, the, it looks ancient. It does. Yeah, but... you, you really should get an iMac Pro. I shouldn't, though. I really shouldn't. But you, you really shouldn't. I shouldn't, though. Unless, unless you want to divert some sponsor money, uh, I really shouldn't. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I want to ask you, though, that I keep meaning to ask is, what headphones do you use for um, monitoring and re- while you're recording? So I, I still use the, um, the old school uh, Bose. Um, what are these things called? It's like the... It's it's like the the wired Bose headphones that have the the little adapters that that are like the little like hook looking things that fit, fit in your ears. Like I can. Try to... Oh, not over the ear headphones. Like you mean the zebra ones that everybody had for their iPod? Yes. What were those called? The Bose. It's not the my E twos. Yes, yes, that's exactly what they are. Wow, good good memory. You see, this is why I don't remember people's names in person. <laughs> my my brain is, is filled with this garbage, and yeah. Um, who are you again? Um, yeah, the zebra cable ones. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, good. they're they're great. So comfortable, and I find that they don't uh, bleed sound very uh, much. So that's what makes them good monitoring headphones. Is that to say they don't let a lot of sound in? They don't let a lot of sound out. But how would you know that they do? Uh, because you'd be able to hear it back on the recording. Like, I'd be able to hear you talking to me back into my microphone. Got it. Which I don't, which I don't hear. Got it. Yeah, so I think that was a worthwhile investment overall. Yeah, yeah that's fun. Makes um, me look super professional. Yeah, I... And unfortunately, I don't really have a great way to put a um, boom arm on my desk. Um, like the, the, the last desk that we had just really didn't have anywhere to clip it onto. And then now this current desk technically does, but it's, (laughs) it's snug up against the wall. So there's not, there's not really anywhere it could go. So yeah, I just have like a little, I mean, I'm still using the Rode podcaster and I, I just have a little um just little mount for it basically like one of those like little congressional testimony mics yeah like, or like it, where, it's, where still... it's mounted on the desk sort of see yeah, yeah but i mean like you know i can just you know, pick it up it's just like it's on like a little base and it's it's in a shock mount still but it's just instead of being on an arm it's on this little stand yeah yeah so that's fun um all right what else yeah, my quirky snow globe still needs a name. 
Uh, and I never use that Google Home either. So that was, that was a waste. All right. Uh, what, before we get into the two important things, actually, well, no, but we talked about the Guy Fieri mascot, so that's already done. Sweet. Um, what was the thing about Luminary? So everybody got mad for two reasons. You can, you can briefly cover the thing that Gruber posted about. But first, um, there was a controversy that they were doing some type of, um, like proxy redirect thing where, um, like people initially were worried they were, that they were pulling a stitcher where the thing was stitcher, um, and why people hated them for podcasting was that they were, um, they would rehost your podcast file. So therefore anybody who listened through that app would never, they would never hit your server. So any type of like, uh, downloads counting or tracking that you would have to try to uh, sell advertisers, you would, um, not actually realize real numbers because, uh, anybody who used that app wouldn't, you wouldn't see them. So everybody got mad that uh, luminary was maybe doing the same thing. And like, I think in the end people, it, it might've been more of an incompetence thing than anything else, or maybe just some, um, some weird caching or maybe they were trying to be too clever about something where they weren't actually rehosting it, but they were using their servers to relay the episodes so that luminary servers would download the file every single time and then relay it. So you would still get the stats, but anyway, it ended up being a non-controversy. Um, but it was, it was just another thing in a week of, um, everybody hating on this company and, and, you know, mostly rightfully so. Yeah. They just, they had such a, um, convoluted rollout that was just kind of full of mixed messaging where I think had they ruled this out a little bit better, I think some of this stuff like this hosting issue might have, um, still been something that people wanted to understand, but they might not have been so quick to jump on. But... Well, they, they burned every possible benefit of the benefit of the doubt that they had. Right. Like normally you get like one or two freebies and they, their whole thing was blown immediately when they said uh, podcasts don't need ads. Right. Um, but then, yeah, the other thing we had luminary related in the notes and I'll, I'll, I'll just put, you know, the link to this in the notes and people can, you know, go read it for themselves. But uh, the title is all podcasts are shows. Not all shows are podcasts. And basically Gruber lays out the case that these exclusive audio programs from Luminary are not actually podcasts because part of what makes a podcast a podcast is that it's free and available to everyone on a variety of uh, different platforms. So he's not necessarily outright saying that you know luminary's original content is like bad it, but it's just it's not fair to classify them as a podcast in the kind of traditional way that we think about podcasts i i get that and i i actually entirely agree but to to pull ryan and play devil's advocate um, advocate isn't that kind of a position of remember the people who's who's the really angry old director it's is it's either Who's the guy who's all, who's mad and lobbying that uh, movies that are on Netflix shouldn't be movies? Well, it's it's Spielberg, but then he turned around and is was the first one on stage for Apple TV Plus. So who really? But knows still not. But still not Netflix, to? though. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, it's just stuff like that where I like it. Kind of is is that having it both ways? I don't know. But I like I I absolutely agree with this. Where like I mean, sure you like you. <laughs> A podcast means that it's a thing that people can subscribe to. Like, they're, they're audio files in an RSS feed. You can access them in different ways. Just because you have audio files that somebody could listen to and are fairly episodic, like, that's not a podcast. You can call it, like, an audio series or whatever you want. But that's... If you're going to have a thing behind a paywall like that, that that's that's fine. Um, 
But I guess like don't say that you're saving or disrupting the podcast industry when you're just like like you, you because they're not contributing or supporting the overall ecosystem they're trying to um generate a pivot from. Like you're using everything that's been built up so far in hopes of creating um a tiered system that's just a bunch of like audio shows. Like I'm, it's it's not the same. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate the, all, all like the, the measured and reasoned feedback to why, uh, luminary is dumb. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Okay. Uh, do you want to actually, do you want to pivot into the overcast thing then? Uh, well, this one's going to be kind of all you because I, I've heard a lot about it and it seems really neat, but I actually haven't really tried it or used it much. Got it. Sure. Um, so I'm not even an Overcast user except for having Overcast as my uh, catch-all player for podcasts I don't actually listen to. Like It's like my road trip podcast app um, when I don't want to clubber, uh, cluttering up Pocket Cast. Uh, but I, I, I am so, so excited about this. And I don't know exactly what the feature name is. Um, I think it's just overall, uh, Marco is calling it uh, clip sharing. But basically what it is, is if you open up a podcast in Overcast and you, you pause it, you can hit the little um, iOS share action button, and that gives you the option of doing the the tri- typical thing where Overcast lets you either s- uh, send out a, a link to the RSS feed, or you can send out a link to an Overcast.fm page that allows somebody to play that specific episode. But then he introduced a um, a new feature where basically it you tap on it and it becomes like this audio editor, kind of like QuickTime Pro, where you can basically trim an episode down to and he limits it so that it can still be considered fair use to 60 seconds of audios max um so you just choose the start and end points and you can kind of create an on-demand clip of any podcast that you want and it shares it as a video that tells you what the time code is how long the clip is for the podcast and the episode name and you can share it as either a, a portrait video, a landscape video, or a square video. So he was super smart and thoughtfully said, like, oh, yeah, like if, if, if we'll give landscape videos for uh, for Twitter because that makes the most sense for how, like, the card view is. You can do square for, like, an Instagram post if you want to put it there. Or if you want to put it on, like, Instagram stories or Snapchat, um, uh, the portrait mode or, like, uh, thing would be the best. So it has saw, like, the whole point of this, like, it has completely solved the podcasts are too hard to share thing. Like that's the thing we've been talking about and not just like you and me, but like does everybody in the podcasting industry is that it's really, really difficult to tell somebody to listen to something like, let's say, cause I think you've referenced this a couple of times uh, where um, Bill Simmons will frequently have like a good guest on like someone to tell like Ben Thompson on, or even you've referenced the uh, Jack Dorsey interview you did a couple of times. And there might have been times that you wanted to call attention to a part of that interview, or but it's an hour and a half long. And you've told me in the past, oh, yeah, just listen to this episode. But that, for most people, is a complete non-starter, where if you could extract like the 45 seconds that you were trying to refer people to, and it takes like five seconds for you to create that little shared clip, and that you could then send that to me as an iMessage, or you can put it in Slack, or you can upload it to Twitter. Like that makes podcasting so much more discoverable, so much easier to share, and it allows podcasts and podcast content to go viral, and in in uh, not in like the the jackassy way that that term means. Like it, this is just 
Like this feature is so good that I literally sent Marco a thank you email earlier today. Like this, this is when like we're in this like time period where there's like all these big money people trying to quote unquote improve podcasting. And generally that just makes their means they're trying to make it shittier and they're trying to monetize it in a way that's advantageous to them. Whereas this is a feature that it's not exclusive to overcast at all. Like, I mean, it's inside the overcast app, obviously, but it, 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 Marco lets you share it without overcast branding. It just spits out an MP4 file that you can do whatever you want with. And the concept just means it's so much easier to share uh, parts of an episode that was impossible before. Like before, the best you could do was tell somebody, oh, yeah, there's a really good part of this podcast 44 minutes in. And who on earth is going to go do that? Because what are they going to do? They're going to open up. First, they're going to try to figure out, where's my podcasting application? Oh, in order to listen to an episode, I have to subscribe first? Okay, fine. Let me do that. Oh, I have to wait for the episode to download? Okay, fine. Now I have to figure out how to seek 44 minutes in. And now it's just so much easier. Like this is this is so smart. I'm just, as somebody who doesn't even use this app regularly, I, I'm so excited. So I was going to ask you, but I think you answered it there at the end, which is, so he's not hosting anything on his side. He's generating a file for you, a video file, mm-hmm. which you can then go upload to Instagram, Twitter, you know, whatever. Exactly right. So basically, once you hit the share clip and you use the little, um, like once you hit share, it brings up like uh, from your like current like scrubber point, like a little thing with like little arms where you can trim down the audio and you tap share. And it automatically says like either save video to camera roll. It allows you to iMessage it. It allows you to put it on any social network that you want. So he's not hosting anything. And he's giving every possible and conceivable level of attribution so that it doesn't seem like it's uh, stolen content or something like that. Like, I don't think there's any type of copyright concerns because it's limited for fair use and it has every bit of attribution you could possibly want. And the whole point of it, like, who's like, there's no way this could be viewed as like piracy. The whole point is you're giving something a very small clip of something in hopes that they go actually listen to it. And if you can do this, obviously it's not a paid product, so there's nothing, nothing to be taken. Yeah, it seems, uh, seems really well implemented. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so, so happy. Like this, this is so smart. Um, uh, because I, there's a thing about, and you can put this in the show notes again. Um, there's a thing we talked about maybe two years ago that I was excited about that, uh, it was a, a project, um, from this American life called shortcut where they built their whole, like their own proprietary, like super complicated to, to implement uh transcription project where you could easily share uh little clips of their episodes and they made it open source and you could do stuff with it, but it was almost impossible for anybody else to actually implement server side like it was so much work and you'd have to do it on a per podcast basis and yeah like it did make sharing a clips of uh, of an episode easier but like the overcast implementation is so much simpler that literally anybody can benefit from like it doesn't matter like this isn't going to be like an exclusively t-word thing like any podcast is going to be able to take advantage of this. Like, I think this is going to be huge. I'm so excited. Pretty great. So good. All right. Um, and then I have uh, created a an overcast clip of uh, uh, Hogglepog and uh, how um, they use Square Cash as opposed to Venmo, because that may be the highlight of our entire series. Share that with um, me. So that you can host somewhere. 
and put that in the show notes. Yeah. Give, have, did you send that to me yet? Uh, not yet, but I don't. Um, my networking situation right now is tenuous, so I don't want to mess up the recording. So I will do that after the show. Wait, what's what's wrong with your networking setup? We will talk about that next week. There's uh, it's it's infrastructure week in my house. <laughs> oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna start up start up my own version of AWS in my in my house. So we'll um, I'll share that next week. Nice. Um, this is so great. Okay. Um, what else? But do you want to do Apple earnings or do you want to talk about Taylor Swift? Let's do. I want to hear about uh, T Swift because you <sighs> you you've, you've creatively titled this the business of Taylor Swift, and I, I don't quite know what that means. So Taylor Swift has a new song this week. Have you heard it or heard she, of it? She has a whole new album, doesn't she? No. So everything you've heard, if you've heard references to Taylor Swift, um, has been the fact that she has a new song, just a single song. Got it. And let me see if I can find it, because I think there is one thing that kind can, of... Um, can you make an overcast clip of that, or is that... I think that is actually copyright infringement. <laughs> but uh, let me do a thing, and I will send you a thing. So this is a screenshot from Spotify. Um, so I haven't loved Taylor Swift's most recent album, uh, but I was listening to a song on it uh, recently because it was filled with a lot of not great songs, but this song's actually pretty good. It's pretty catchy. Because you know, if you've heard um, Look What You Made Me Do, you, you will know that old Taylor Swift is dead. Um, but... Do you see what's in the background of the podcast player, or of of the Spotify player? Uh, the the hearts. Mm-hmm. So Spotify has a feature called Canvas, where um, you where a content cre- sorry an artist uh, um, a musical artist can put uh, like a short like six to ten second video clip behind like the audio scrubber and the playback controls, and on this song from taylor swift from her most recent album reputation uh in the run-up to this new song that she was releasing because they were doing a whole like media blitz where on instagram and twitter and in every in youtube and every social platform possible uh, uh taylor swift was dropping hints that there was something happening on 426 we don't know what it could be the visit is it the Mueller memo we, we, we don't know it's something um, but on Spotify, like I thought this was like, I'm like, this is really, really cool where she was using that feature to advertise forthcoming content on a platform like Spotify that's paid for, uh, by the end user and is not ad supported at all. And that this type of native advertising didn't feel like an ad at all. So I don't know, like, I just thought that was really cool, but also to think of, um, you know how Tim Cook's always saying Apple's doubling down on secrecy. Yes. Um, how, how does Taylor Swift or a Beyonce, like if, if you look at, uh, so her new song, uh, which is, t- uh, entitled me, capital M, capital E exclamation point. Um, is that was like, has, like, nice basically, except even more because the E is also capitalized. Um, so, sh- so, and this is the part where like, it's just such an internet savvy thing. And that's where I'm like, I'm saying it's like the business of Taylor Swift. So if you go to youtube.com slash music, uh, she used a feature that also was used previously by Ariana Grande, where YouTube has a feature called uh, YouTube premieres, where she broadcasts the song at uh, midnight Eastern time on April 26th to be released and viewable live to millions of people around the world using YouTube as a platform. And like that was a whole big event and people were all excited about it. And it was a trending topic on Twitter and stuff like that. But 
like how does something like that not leak like there because the enterprise of being a recording artist as popular and as influential as taylor swift and whose like identity and music is like just so lucrative to so many people like she is big business again this is why we've talked about like her and adele are some of the only artists that can decide to forego streaming music as a distribution method when new albums come out so how does stuff like that that involves probably tens of thousands of not tens of thousands probably thousands of people to like manage her business and deal with the content creation and deal with music video production and all that stuff how does that not leak yet every part of every apple feature and every apple product leaks it's a it's a fair question that i do not have an answer to you're supposed to well then what's the point if you don't have an answer to it <laughs> no that that's that's really that's really impressive i i that's a that's an interesting observation <laughs> thanks um but no like i don't know like it just it, it's it's shocking um why why so bringing this back to to t-word stuff although and i will say i actually like the song a ton it's super catchy people should go listen to it um and it was available on day one on spotify um and the streaming services which was also kind of interesting uh but i'm I'm super it's super up in the air as to whether or not her new album will be but i guess why um then why does os 10 and everything else like every feature of ios 13 and every big feature of whatever the new os 10 release is have all leaked like why why does apple struggle to effectively double down on secrecy where people in other industries that seemingly should be more leak prone than apple like like why why does apple struggle in this way because you, you will frequently mock tim for the you will d- generally do the double cry laugh emoji whenever anything leaks um and you will you will reference um doubling down on secrecy it, the thing that's been really interesting is the fact that historically what we've seen leak have been things that involve a massive supply chain. So like hardware leaks, where not only do you have just a large number of people involved, but you have a variety of different companies and partners involved. And that kind of thing just seems impossible to keep under wraps. Whereas what's been leaking more recently, which I think is a little more analogous to this T-Swift thing where, exactly, you know, there's no, there's no uh, supply chain involved in her uh, recent song. Just like I mean, if, with, if anything, there's more of a supply chain than, than just writing an operating system. But yeah, but there's no external, I mean, there's not really external vendors in that way. Right, exactly. Whereas, yeah, what's been coming out of Apple recently, especially around the next version of OS X, has been software features, which, you know, presumably don't really leave Cupertino much. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's been since Tim's comment about doubling down on secrecy, where it actually seems like not only the volume of leaks, but the type of leaks have changed and increased. And yeah, Apple's in a Apple's in a tough spot from a leaking perspective where you know it, it like for a period of time with their events we were in a at a phase where all the hardware stuff leaked out ahead of time like apple hasn't had a surprise hardware announcement since the original iphone 
And, but at least you could kind of count on the software features that went along with it to be kind of surprising. But now we've gotten to the point where we, we know about all that too. Like Apple events are so, so predictable. Like they're, they've almost become like a movie where the trailer that you saw a couple months ahead of time gave away a little bit too much. And so when you're watching the movie, you're like, oh man, I kind of already like knew all of this from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess on the flip side, I'm actually not so sure that all the leaks are necessarily a universally bad thing because it does drum up a lot of interest and it kind of sets expectations in a way. Does it though? I think I mean, so. Do, do you do you think software leaks uh, move beyond the T word circles? Well. I, maybe to a small degree i mean the the expectation setting i think is actually more relevant to like the t word circles and then from an interest perspective you know the wwdc keynotes that apple does are are not going to appeal to non t word people anyway so the fact that the leaks themselves are out there is not really going to change much so i mean i, I you're right i i do kind of poke fun at it just because you know, Apple Apple had said they were going to double down on secrecy and have, have done basically the exact opposite. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's it's always a bad thing. I mean, I'm sure they would prefer it not to happen, but I don't. It's not it's not devastating to them or anything. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it. I'm just uh yeah super super intrigued at uh, kind of how um yeah people are managing the Taylor Swift brand and just how multi platform that can be. And how a single song probably occupies the time of like over a thousand people. There was something I saw too. I think I saw this on a next draft where Dave Pell, friend of the show, Dave Pell, mm-hmm. um, referenced a uh, Beyonce like documentary that's been on Netflix, and I've heard a couple of other people reference it too. And I think that's that's kind of a thing that I've seen more recently as well, which are artists filming a performance or filming clips from like a recent tour and then putting that together and kind of uh, selling it or distributing it as like a movie slash documentary. That's kind of interesting. So, I mean, that was the big thing where um, Beyonce gave a really impressive and like somewhat secret or was this complete surprise to everybody? uh, uh, Not presentation. What's it called? Performance at uh, last year's Coachella called Homecoming. But then at the very same time, they were filming a Netflix documentary slash performance for it that got released last month. See, it's like the the multi-platform nature of so much entertainment these days is actually, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, And it leads to things like uh, the Fire Festival documentary. (laughs) That's Because I assume the -the behind-the-scenes documentary they're making uh, was not intended to go that way. Probably not. But yeah, but fuck, fuck Jerry. Um, (laughs) What else we got? Uh, do you want do you want to move back to Orange County so you can pay comp uh, pay Cox Communications fifteen dollars a month for faster internet? That was dumb. So I think that let's make this. Unless, do the Apple earnings? Do you really have a lot there? Do we need to get to something there? Like so, I'm, I'm I'm trying to avoid it, but there is probably a little bit to talk about. So this could probably be a thirty second thing, and then we will vaguely talk about the Apple stuff. Okay, because iPhone is still in decline, and there's services stuff to talk about. 
Yeah, so there's, there's actually there's there's two links that we kind of need to tie together here. One, which was the first one that you sent, which is uh, Comcast saying that, um, or I, I don't know if they've said this directly, but people have somehow discovered that um, people are now averaging close to 200 gigabytes of usage a month, which is which is what Comcast had set their uh, cap at a handful of years ago. Um, and then the story that you mentioned about people uh, paying Cox for an extra $15 a month for a fast lane for video game access. Um, and there's this first link about Comcast is so predictable like when they announced this data cap how many years ago was this two three years ago it started getting enforced in the bay area i think in 2017 or 2016 yeah yeah like at the time it was like oh 200 gigabytes like that's pretty generous nobody will ever hit that you know nobody's ever going to need more than a gigabyte of ram i think you were going for 64k (laughs) said but it's okay um but like you knew that this day was going to come where with you know increased video streaming and the reliance of downloads versus CDs for software all this stuff like 200 gigabytes was going to become an issue and sure enough we've reached that point um and kind of in parallel with that as regulation particularly in the US has decreased around broadband you're going to start to see things like this Cox Elite Gamer uh service it just it's it seems like we're seems like we're going to hit a breaking point with some of this isp behavior and um kind of just general access to fair broadband connectivity feels like we're at a we're going to reach a breaking point with that i'm not sure if it's that bad yet but no because i don't i don't think it is either but i think with stuff like this, then I think the other really big thing that's looming out there is, and this is the thing that you and I have been on forever, which is this whole IPTV thing. Like, <laughs> I think when, as more and more people try to kind of in air quotes, cut the cord and cancel their traditional cable service. I mean, we, we've been really on the whole, like, well, they're going to discover that they're paying, you know, six different companies, 10 to $15 a month. But then the other thing that's going to happen is their, the price of their internet service, now that they're not getting some kind of bundle with their TV, is going to go up drastically. So I think people are going to start to really realize that Comcast, Cox, all these broadband providers like really kind of have us over a barrel on this stuff. Uh, okay, so, so multiple things here. So... Hmm. Yeah, people will eventually realize that, and then they're gonna yeah any any cost savings again because like the, the, like we've yeah we've been saying this forever where the uh, these MSOs are looking for total customer spend, and if if they're not getting it on the um on a video subscription, they're gonna have to make the internet more or, sorry they're not gonna have to, but they will to maintain the same amount of revenue uh, each month. They're gonna increase uh, the internet cost to to compensate for that. So yeah, so if you start routinely um, exceeding your one terabyte Comcast cap, which I come very close to most months, um, you're gonna have to do what what Jason does because he's got a household full of uh, a, a, of nerds and people use the internet. So he's paying Comcast the extra fifty dollars a month that it costs to have actually unlimited internet. 
So yeah, people are eventually going to see that as because as like 4K con like well actually do you think regular people care about 4K? No, not really. Okay, so I mean even if you're watching a bunch of 1080 video, like I mean that like if if everybody in the house like if you have a four person household and everything is IPTV and people are watching like four hours of video a day times four times 31 yeah i mean you need to go through your internet pretty quickly but um so i i guess my question to you or of what you brought up like to to pull on the thread a little bit do you is it un is it a net neutrality thing and is it unreasonable to have metered bandwidth like do you do you think unlimited data is a requirement because like so so i think so let me answer it this way i think if we had a truly open and competitive market around broadband access no but i think given that most consumers you know like myself included don't have different options when it comes to high-speed internet then then i think that is a problem well so let me ask like so what what are the what are the competitive restrictions right now like because people always say that they they think that there needs to be more competition in broadband but like there's not going to be enough companies that are willing to make the capital expenditures to actually roll out last mile service so that everybody has three options for um like in the ground high speed internet so i guess like that that's the one knock against the cable companies that i don't necessarily agree with because yes sure they are um kind of government sanctioned regional monopolies but in an economic system, like it's just not profitable and not reasonable for three or more companies, which I think is kind of the amount that people would think is reasonable competition um, to actually provide service to people where it's worth their investment to actually run fiber to every single block in America. Well, the, and I, I get that, but so, but you know, in the absence of that, like, so, I mean, like, let's like think of, you know, electricity as an example, like being a like PG&E customer, you know, PG&E is heavily regulated because they are the only, you know, game in town with when it comes to electrical and gas service. And they, you know, they aren't just allowed to raise prices and set arbitrary caps and, and kind of, which is... Well, let me, let me push back because I guess, so my, my, my main question here is, is unlimited data a requirement? Because that's the thing, like like PG and E, like sure, because they're a utility, they're heavily heavily regulated by the Utilities Commission, but they there's no they're, you're not paying sixty dollars a month for unlimited internet or sorry for unlimited electricity. The rates are capped, but I guess do you think that the FCC or the FTC or whichever one would reg? It's the FCC, right? Like for pricing. Or is that the FTC? No, pricing is the FTC. Because I, I, I guess like I, I don't feel like if if people think that uh, the internet should be regulated, regulated like a utility, uh, unlimited data can't exist. You like you'd have to meter it for everybody, and you would just have the FTC say what is a reasonable rate. Because because the main point of your argument or the concerns that a lot of people have is that uh, data caps are unreasonable and that's a big um, uh, flaw in rolling back net neutrality. Where I'm not exactly sure that's a concern about net neutrality. I think that's a, a monopoly issue. Net neutrality is whether or not they're going to start exempting their own content from caps, whether or not they're going to start trying to charge Netflix more or like create fast lanes and slow lanes. But in terms of overall like data throughput. I think that's more of just like a uh, a market competition and pricing concern. 
I don't know. So like, I, so, but you think that like it is unlimited data. Should that be the norm? I guess it, it doesn't necessarily have to be unlimited data, but if there are some type of caps and then overages, if you go over that cap, those rates have to be reasonable. Cause the con, the con, the, I mean, cause right. Cause the concern is you only have access to this one provider. Let's say then that they set some cap that, you know, becomes lower than what most people's usage is. So the majority of people are now going over that number and then they get hit with these just astronomical overage fees. There's really very little recourse that that user would then have. Well, so currently Comcast gives in, in most of their markets, it's a terabyte data cap, uh, which you get two free months to exceed. Um, and then if you go over that continuously, it's $10 per 50, five zero gigabytes that you go over or $50 a month for uh, truly unlimited service. Do you think that's reasonable? Oh, is, is, is their cap a terabyte? It's a terabyte. It's been a terabyte ever since it rolled down the Bay Area. I don't know why this ours article, because um, I think when they initially rolled it out in like some of Midwestern markets, it was 200 gigs. But in the Bay Area, it was always a terabyte. That's why I was thinking it was 200 gigs, which is why then that this median usage becoming 200 gigabytes was kind of symbolic. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a terabyte. Got it. So like that's the thing where like I mean like I I waffle back and forth on this because I like I'm somebody who uses a ton of data like I'm backing up like 50 megabyte single images from my camera and stuff like to to backblaze and stuff like that and I use a ton of data um and therefore like I do as a rational consumer realize that I should probably end up paying more for that but I guess like for the data cap people who are always decrying net neutrality as like a, a market failure like I guess should I pay the same as somebody who is using 150 gigs a month? Like, I, I guess I just don't know. Um, and I can't really think of like what federal agency is going to say, you know what, we're, we're making it so that actually what's 70 divided by a thousand that, uh, that's actually easy math that each gigabyte of data costs seven cents. And this starts getting regulated, like close to electricity prices. Would people actually prefer that better? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. I guess maybe another way to answer your original question would also be around how, like, if if you accept that data caps are just something that maybe should be in place or would be a reasonable thing to be in place, they have to be responsive. Meaning, like, I agree with you that a terabyte today is actually pretty reasonable, but if that cap is still a terabyte, you know. 10 years from now when usage has gone way up then it probably becomes not not that reasonable so as, as long as the structure is set up to really only impact kind of like super users or people who are really outside you know normal usage so if, if it's there basically as a way to pro- sort of protect the provider against outliers then that's okay uh, but do we trust the government to be able to be responsive enough to determine what that is? Probably not. So what do we do? I don't know. We can't move to Canada because their communications, their, their, uh, every, every part, like so much of Canada is nice, but their, uh, internet and, uh, telephone situation is, is, is very bad. It makes America look like a bargain. <laughs> 
anyway, so the Cox communications thing, that's, that was most of a, a hometown thing. Um, and then when I put this link in Slack, um, I don't know if you can find the link on Google, uh, Google images for it, but, um, what was his name? Um, uh, the little animated, um, alien character that, uh, Cox communications used as their logo for a little bit. Oh, sorry. His name is Digi's D I G E E Z. I had a picture of him with, um, a broken or a cut coaxial cable because the, the, the Cox, uh, or sorry, the $15 a month, um, elite gamer thing like that. That's just dumb because one it's, it's nonsense because once your traffic hits the regular internet, which is most of it, 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 it this thing can literally do nothing. So that's just silly. But if you can get $15 out of, uh, gamers and people on Twitch, I'm all for it. All right. Uh, real, real fast. Apple earnings, iPhone in decline again. Um, services revenue up again. Jason Snell, you'll have a link in the show notes, has some some very, very good charts. <laughs> I like that the hero image on this article is 98%, uh, 98% customer sat, and the, and the <laughs> subtitle is Tim Cook loves satisfied customers. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty good, Jason. Uh, wait, this isn't the link to the one. Oh, you, you, wait, where's the one where he has all his charts? Oh, is it not in this one? Hmm. Ah, there it is. Okay. I'll put in the thing. Yeah. So the iPhone's down to 54%, um, of quarterly revenues where in the past that's been as high as 69 or 70%. Um, man, services is 20%. Wow, what what was what was that a few years ago? Was was services? When did services become a category? Not that long ago, because um, they did the whole rejiggering thing where they um, made wearables. Like, was it wearables and other um, is now a thing, and that's where they lump in Apple TV and AirPods and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, wearables, home, and accessories. So I mean, overall, like, I mean, the the charts are really interesting to look at. Um, they post or they they. Um, gave stronger than usual guidance because they they believe china um is rebounding faster than they thought it would so even though it was an overall disappointing quarter for the iphone specifically a a lot of the other stuff made up for it and um, people are positive on the guidance they gave towards next quarter um but yeah the the main highlights is just yeah services revenue uh 10.8 billion um and what, what was I think the the stat that I saw about that is its services are now bigger than the Mac and iPad combined, which is is pretty interesting. And I forget I don't think I have it in the show notes, but somebody put a thing where and this could be entirely wrong, but um, that like the growth in services revenue is equal to the decline in iPhone or something like that. That's probably wrong, but there was one real really good comparable stat that I don't actually have in front of me, but. Yeah, Apple, like, this is where, I mean, this is why they're releasing a credit card and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's, I guess just because that the, the growth is plateauing. And you'll see this across the board um, that Google uh, posted about the headwinds that they're facing. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the drinking game next week. But Google posted about the fact that they're having uh, difficulties moving their Pixel phones. I think Samsung's uh, smartphone revenues were down like 60%, or sorry, uh, profits were down like 60% uh, year over year. Overall, it just seems like smartphones are a super mature space, and this is hitting everybody. But Apple's solution to this is um, to just get money out of their customers other ways. Um, and then Darth had some very, very good ideas on how to how to fix this or maybe how to spend Apple's cash reserves. I don't know if you saw his tweet about, let's just give everybody $100. 
Oh yeah, I, I I did see that. He like took Apple's total cash and realized that if uh they just distributed that money to all their iOS users, it would be like a hundred bucks a person or something, or a hundred dollars per iOS device, I think. Yeah, and there was one other one where he said, "If you have a Windows phone, Tim will just give you a new iPhone 10 because he's that kind of guy." <laughs> uh, and then yeah, he had a thing where uh, yeah, does the Apple Store has fries and they're dog geniuses. So it was a pretty good Darth week, even though it was a pretty shitty week in every other respect. Sounds like a lot of weeks over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, just because this will be a freebie for you, because you're always super excited about RSS readers. What's the deal with Reader for? Uh, so the, this is kind of the long-awaited refresh to Reader. Um, it, I think this was supposed to originally come out like last summer, um, or there were there were indications that it was kind of imminent. Um, but then it, it it there really wasn't much news about it, and then it just kind of dropped all of a sudden. Uh, I guess this week or late last week. Um, it's really it's it's the next version of Reader. It's it's very similar in a lot of respects. It has this new feature where it will try through machine learning to like bold what it thinks are like key phrases and sentences and stuff. I've I've turned all that off. Wait, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought Reader was a podcasting app. Um. Oh, so it just randomly there's just bold stuff in the article if you leave that on, right? Uh... Um, and then, you know, just some visual refreshes across the board. Like you can see image previews now, things like that. Um, if, you know, it, it's it very, very similar to reader three in a lot of ways. Um, but being that it's one of my most commonly used, uh, applications across both iOS and macOS, I'm happy to, uh, provide them with, with more of my money. Nice. Um, and I'm sorry, single time purchase or subscription based now? Uh, single purchase still. Uh, separate purchases though on. Um, well, I guess this is the there. There is an ability to have a single purchase across the Mac and iOS, right? So it's 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 a purchase on the Mac and a purchase on iOS. Got it. Bionic reading. That's the uh, the name of the thing that's supposed to like bold key stuff, which I have turned off. Um, and they have a new black theme on iOS, which looks fantastic on an OLED iPhone. Like black, black or just dark mode? Yeah, black, black. Ooh. Yeah. It's very good. Actually, it looks very good, I think, on an iPad as well, even if it's not OLED. All right. What you got for, uh, for Chef Specials? So I've got a quick one this week. Uh, listeners from a month or two ago will remember my uh, Raspberry Pi Homebridge story. And I think at that time I might have called out how great the Raspberry Pi was or just kind of how fun it was to play with. Um, but tonight I'm, I'm going to throw out Homebridge because you know I set this thing up a couple months ago and it has just been absolutely rock solid it's actually like i probably ironically been the most reliable device that i have connected to the home app um it has uh never crashed never become randomly unresponsive which even like my hue lights sometimes do through the home app it's just been super super solid which you know, now, now that i'm saying all this it'll stop working but mm-hmm. um <laughs> but it, no it, it's it's been great so for a 
free utility that is really extensible, really powerful. It's also super stable. And these, you know, these front lights that I have now really truly have become basically just like another home kit device, which is, which is pretty great. Um, and to clarify, because even though home kit isn't, is an Apple thing, Homebridge is something that can run on Linux. Uh, cause that's what the raspberry Pi runs, right? Correct. Got it. But it still completely integrates. There's no, like, is there any type of security stuff you have to turn off on your iPhones or just, it's just cool with the fact that it's not a Mac thing. It, it, it just, um, well, I guess I, I don't really know what happens if you run Homebridge on a Mac. Um, but in terms of the way it looks to your iPhone or whatever you're accessing the home app on, it, it just, it just looks like a home kit device. So yeah, there's no, there's no security things or anything you have to turn off or there's no, there's no hacking involved on the, the home app side or the home kit side. Got it. And, and what are you controlling with it other than that weird, uh, the Bluetooth switch you have? Uh, that's it. Oh, Okay. But so like you still hue and everything else is still controlled natively. It's just the other stuff. Correct. So it's it's designed just so like the hue lights have native HomeKit support. So anything that's natively supported in HomeKit, you don't need Homebridge for. This the Homebridge is only for devices that are not otherwise supported in HomeKit. So like the other really common thing that people use Homebridge for uh, is to integrate Nest products into HomeKit because none of Google stuff has home uh, home kit support. So if you want to access like your thermostat or whatever, or probably your um, smoke detectors as well in uh, the home app, you, you can do that. I, I haven't bothered doing that just because I don't know. I, I already have the, my nest thermostat connected to the lady in a can and i actually think the nest app is pretty good so i there has there's just really not much of a use case for me to have it integrated into the home app but theoretically i could with homebridge got it uh all right so i don't really have one this week so i'm just going to give a quick uh instagram pick of something that people should go follow um sorry not something uh some dog uh this is uh mad max underscore fluffy road because uh, you know the thing on in New York where you can't ride public transit unless your dog is in a bag, or sorry, you can you can ride uh, public transit without a dog, but if you want to have a dog on it, you have to have them in a backpack or a bag. Well, that is a thing. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so you will sometimes see people uh, uh, post that they see uh, dogs in IKEA bags because they have that iconic blue bag. But yeah, Maxine uh, the corgi is a is a dog who has who rides in a backpack with her with her human, and uh, the guy posts. Um, a ton of great Instagram stories with her with a uh, good like seventies and eighties music. And yeah. Yeah. Maxine's pretty damn cute. So this is a very happy pup. I like this. Yeah. She's very, she's very, very, very fluffy. It's very on brand. Mm-hmm. 